Welcome back to the non-standard 14er podcast, the podcast that talks about everything the root description leaves out about hiking and climbing Colorado's 14ers. We're joined tonight with Will, is it Willie? Should I call you Willie? Willie? Will? What's your? Will, Will, E, I don't know. Will, Willie or <laughs> Will, pause ease. Will, E. <laughs> We're joined by a 14er finisher and someone who is too shy of doing all the 14ers in winter, Will E. Hey, this is Will. We're also joined tonight by our good friend, Tornado Man, and I'm Short Rope Stifler. In today's episode, we're talking about a winter ascent of the Chicago Basin for 14ers. So where are you at? Well, uh, I'm at my house in Aurora. Okay. And uh, Tornado Man, have you ever met Tornado Man? We have, we have talked online about his beard a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I've been harassed about my beard. <laughs> you're right it is a little thin at the moment <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's gotten a little better in the past week but it's uh i don't know it's getting towards summer probably will be a little shorter hey, in the I, next I few months i can't grow one i'm just i'm just jealous of you and brad <laughs> like you can't grow one at all like period i tried once and it looked horrible you <laughs> my, nickname, my nickname would be patches <laughs> <laughs> Tornado Man's been on our podcast probably, I don't know, five or six times now. I think he interviewed Andrew Hamilton with me one time. Yep. And then we did the backpacking one. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. We had a contest to figure out who could design the best centennial 14-year <laughs> backpacking trip. I remember that one. <laughs> uh, those he were some crazy long routes. I ended up doing the one that Tornado Man suggested. We did Columbine. I did Columbine Pass to Chicago Basin uh, okay. last summer. From Valacito? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Valacito, 10 miles in, camp at Johnson Creek. The next day was 10 miles over Columbine Pass into the basin, which is awesome. Four days in a tent. That's how I got reading the trip, trip reports and saw your uh, Chicago Basin winter, winter route and would love to decide to reach out to you and wanted to talk to you about your, uh, your winter Chicago Basin route. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was tough. That was tough. Um, I've only done a few backpacking trips. I've done Chicago Basin twice in summer. Um, and then um, last December, um, I, I knew I'd have to do some winter backpacking, you know, if I wanted to get the Chicago Basin peaks. Um, so last winter, um, the first of December, uh, I went up and camped a night uh, before doing Pyramid, basically just as a dry run. I, I'd never melted snow. I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> So I figured I'd do something short and easy where, you know, if things went haywire, I could get back to the car and not be uh, too far from society. But uh, yeah, Chicago Basin trip, it was awesome. I was very lucky and fortunate to, to have a trench leading me there, which, you Ooh. know, probably saved me a day or two. Um, but it was pretty neat being there just all alone and having it completely to myself. And so even, you know, so you still don't have very much snow and you're, yeah, solo. Yeah. You don't have much snow mountaineering or snow camping. You just let's do it. I just, I just did it. Got real lucky though. Um, Brad McQueen told me before I went um, that there was a, uh, there was a, a section of running water uh, not far from where they had set up camp uh, when he went up a couple of weeks before me. And uh, I still took my stove and my, and two bottles of fuel, just in case I really thought it was going to be like a five or six day ordeal. I didn't expect to get in and out so quick, but uh, there ended up being running water about a half mile from camp. So I, I didn't even have to melt snow. So it was, it was really nice. And, but the train doesn't run in the winter, right? 
Correct. Correct. So yeah, well, the train actually does run in the winter, um, but not all the way to the Needleton stop. So the, uh, the train runs to Cascade. I don't know why Cascade W Y E. I don't know how to pronounce that, but uh, there's a stop um, that's about five or six miles before Needleton where the train does run in the winter, but only on weekends and only if weather is favorable. So they, they basically do like a short tourist run from uh, Durango up to Cascade and then just back the same day. So in theory, if you timed it right and got lucky, you know, you could take the train up on like on a Sunday, you'd have to spend the whole week there and you wouldn't get to go, you wouldn't get to take the train back until the following Saturday. But again, that's conditions dependent. So you're, you're putting a lot of risk and you'd still end up spending, you know, at least six days up there. So it, it really just makes more sense to go in from purgatory. So how many extra miles is purgatory? So Neilton uh, again, right? It joins where? Yeah. So there's, there's two different routes you can do the, the summer route. Typically um, you go down, you, you start at purgatory and you go to the cascade train stop. Then you cross the bridge and there's a trail that actually sort of cuts in um, and goes up a little bit further um, east of Needleton. Um, but that route has a lot of ups and downs and the train tracks are plowed a couple of miles. So it's actually faster, even though it's a couple extra miles, it's faster to just walk the train tracks uh, for about six miles and then go from Needleton up to the basin. Uh, I showed 18 miles uh, one way from Purgatory to, uh, to the lower section of the basin. Um, and uh, yeah. But uh, it went it went a lot faster than I thought it would. I was surprised. The, the snow was so good this year, though. I mean, even the even the days that I was breaking trail, it didn't feel anything like years past. The snow was just so so well compacted and um, consolidated this year. See, let's see. You live in Denver, so day one is what driving to Durango and sleeping in a hotel. Yeah, yeah. I stayed in a hotel the night before, so I uh, yeah I drove down to uh, I drove down on Saturday. Uh, stayed in a hotel in Durango and uh, I started uh, around six, I think around 6 a.m. on uh, on Sunday morning. And like I say, I, I wasn't even sure I was going to get all the way to Chicago Basin that first day. Um, I told my friends that uh, that watched me on my uh, on my uh, in, in yeah, yeah. I told them that if I made it to the basin, it would probably be after dark. And shoot, I ended up getting to the basin in just under nine hours. I got really really. Uh, so you did that sixteen miles in that first day. Yeah, yeah. I was I was surprised. I was really surprised. I did not expect to make that kind of time. Wow. Snowshoe at all? I was in snowshoes pretty much the whole day. The only uh, so I, I I didn't start in snowshoes because the first couple of miles. Uh, from purgatory down to the river uh, is pretty well tracked. A lot of people day trip that just, uh, you know, from Durango. So uh, I wasn't in snowshoes to start. I probably skipped the first two miles. Then I was in snowshoes all the way down to the train tracks. Um, and then the, the couple miles of train tracks that were plowed, I took my snowshoes off. But from there, um, I was in snowshoes pretty much the whole way. That's a lot. That's a big day, isn't it? It's a really big day. I was surprised. It, it, when I did that same route in summer, it took me a little under seven hours. Um, so I was, I was pretty, I was pretty surprised when I got up there in just under nine, uh, in winter with a lot more weight and, you know, probably 75% of it in snowshoes. It was, did you weigh your pack? I didn't, um, I would guess 
45, maybe 50 pounds, but I didn't weigh it. No. Could you, could you ski that? Like if you had cross country skis or skins, would that make any difference or is it? You know, I'm not a skier. Um, I think it would be tough. Uh, you'd have to take them off in a few places. The, the sketchiest thing, probably the whole route, um, is there are three places. Um, have you done the purgatory approach to Chicago? Well, no. so you drop, you go down. Um, so you start a purgatory, which I think is around 10,000. You drop all the way down to like 8,000. Then you climb up over this, um, this big hill. It's probably, uh, it's probably seven or 800 feet of gain, uh, that parallels the river. Um, and then, but along that track, um, there's like three sections where it's a really narrow section and it's really steep and the snow was really stiff there. That would be tough on skis, especially with a big pack, but I'm, I'm also not a skier. So I, I don't, I see some of the things people do in skis and I don't think they're possible. <laughs> a, a question for you that came up from your trip report. Yeah. Um, so where, where are you supposed to park? Because I did see your tickets. <laughs> oh yeah, you did two tickets. War warnings, you know, I guess, not tickets. You know, I parked the same place everyone else does. Uh, I think they just didn't like the manner in which I parked. So I parked at the, the lower lot in the ski resort. And when I pulled in, and of course it's early Sunday morning, nobody's around. Uh, there was one other car there. So I just parked right next to the car. And I thought, well, I guess if I'm going to get towed, I won't be the only one getting towed. <laughs> Um, I, I know that's where everybody else parks because, I mean, there is no parking. I mean, that that route, that parking area that's usually there is just completely snowed in. Um, if you tried to park there, you you would get towed because you'd be in the way. Okay, so so it is a different lot in the winter than it is in the summer. Yeah, yeah, you got it's across okay. the highway. Yeah, it's about okay. a half. It's about a half mile. Nothing big. Where's where? How far is Purgatory from just a train station in Durango? Driving wise. I don't know, 20, 25 miles. Okay. So then, so day one, drive to Durango. Day two, you had 16 miles, snowshoes most of the way. Yeah. Then you set up camp. Yep. And day three was what? Uh, so the next day I got up. Uh, so I actually, man, I could, I could not sleep for anything. The first night, uh, you'd think as tired as I was, you'd think it wouldn't have been anything to fall asleep. I wasn't cold. Um, my sleeping bag was like, is, is rated a negative 25. So I, I wasn't cold in the, in the slightest, uh, but I could not fall asleep for anything. I slept maybe an hour. Um, I set my alarm for two 30. I wanted to be up early anyway. I mean, I was in bed when you, when you get in, I got, I got in and set up camp just before dark. So it was probably four 5 o'clock. And I mean, there's nothing to do when it's that cold and it's dark. So, you know, I just went to bed, you know, I just, I didn't got in my tent, got in my sleeping mm -hmm. bag and tried to fall asleep which I couldn't fall asleep that early, even if I wanted to. But, you know, as the hours went on, I just, <clears throat> I just laid there. I just laid there, had my alarm set for two 30. Um, I ended up waking up right around two. Um, so I just started putting all my gear on and headed up the mountain. Was it the nerves? Was it like the nerves? You no, know, I don't know. I, I didn't sleep very well that, uh, that first night that I tried, uh, in, at pyramid, when I did, uh, when I did the, the single night camping, um, at crater Lake before I did pyramid, I, I thought I was just anxious. I was a little bit nervous. Then also I was worried about, uh, um, animals, you know, I was worried about, I, I didn't take a bear sack or anything. 
Um, I just had my food, uh, you know, in a, in a scent proof container and I was still nervous. So I, when I did pyramid, I left my food outside of the tent because I was figuring, well, if something's going to come and, you know, ravage my food, at least it'll leave me alone. Um, but then, uh, but at Chicago basin, I, I left my food in my tent. Anyway, I don't know. I just could not fall asleep for anything. Um, I think if I do that again, um, I'm going to take sleeping pills because man, um, I don't know. I wasn't tired the next morning. I felt fine. I, I knew my legs needed the rest, even if, uh, even if I couldn't fall asleep. So I don't know. I, I don't know what it was. I wasn't nervous or anything. So I didn't sleep that the second night either after doing the four peaks. I mean, I so you, did the, you did all four in winter, the one day. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I thought, uh, I, I was pretty sure I could probably do all four, but I really thought it was going to be like a 15 or a 16 hour day. I think it was, I think it was right around 12, um, um, 12 hours. So, uh, no, I made pretty good time in, um, uh, the, again, the, the snow was so good, you know, the breaking trail where I had to was just not that hard. You know, it was nothing like, uh, years past, um, breaking trail up long, long routes, like, you know, Holy cross or San Luis. So did you find, um, once you got up there, I'm trying to remember you did this in January, right? You said, yep. Last week of January. Okay. So it was, it was a while after that big storm cycle. And I remember there was a period, there was a lot of green avalanche days. It was still really low risk. So was it just pretty consolidated? It was not only, not only was it really consolidated, like below tree line, but above tree line, it was bulletproof. Um, getting up the slope to Eolus, um, it's fairly steep. Um, but I was able to get up just with snowshoes. Um, I didn't, didn't need crampons. It wasn't sinking or anything. Um, probably the, probably the softest snow I had that day was, uh, going up the, going up the slope, the gully to, um, sunlight. It was mid morning. It was probably nine or 10 o'clock and I was sinking a little bit, but I wasn't like sliding back or anything. Um, the snow conditions, I, I, you know, I've only been, I've only been doing this winter stuff for, you know, this is my fourth winter, but the snow conditions this year, uh, they're just so much better than anything I've ever seen. Wow. I'm looking at your GPS tracker here. So did you do sunlight wind and first, right? No, I actually did. I uh, actually did the Aeolus twins first. So I had intended to do sunlight and wind first. Um, I am not the greatest route finder. <laughs> I, I couldn't do some of this stuff without GPX and GPX files and uh, GPS. Um, I started going up and there, there were, there, the trench was there um, from uh, Brad McQueen's trip, you know, a couple of weeks prior. So I was following it. it. It pretty much fizzled out right after tree line. And I was just sort of going up the slope as best I could, but it was dark and I wasn't really paying attention. And I finally got a ways up and I thought, man, where are twin lakes? I should have been there by now. You cut off too far left. Yeah. I cut, I cut too far left. So I pulled out my phone. I was, I was at almost 13,000 feet. I was way above twin lakes. Um, and then, uh, I realized that crap, I'm almost to the ramp on Eolus. So, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna backtrack. I'm gonna go get Eolus first. Oh, which actually, you actually, which actually mistakenly did the wrong one first. <laughs> I did. I the did. first thousand feet of the twin lakes. Yeah, yeah, it worked out for the best, but uh, yeah, totally unintentional. And you do the same? Is it standard same route as the summer? 
No. So, uh, so when, when I got up to the, the saddle between Eolus and North Eolus, um, I didn't go up the ramp because the snow was so good and, um, and stiff. Um, I went up that steep slope just to the right of the ramp because uh, I was just getting real good traction, even with, with just snowshoes. Uh, when I got up to the ramp, it was still dark. Um, I didn't want to do, um, I didn't want to do Eolus's North Ridge on the, in the dark. So I did North Eolus first, um, cause it's, you know, pretty mellow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted the views <laughs> of, from Eolus. Can't walk together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so for, uh, for Eolus in winter, you really can't do the standard route because it's just, I mean, it's just solid snow, uh, caked against those, uh, those ledges. Um, so I, you go straight up the, the North Ridge, which is, um, it's a lot of fun. I, I actually really enjoy it. I, I don't remember doing the old, the standard route of Eolus. I did my first time in Chicago Basin. I don't remember much about it, but that Northridge on Eolus is really a lot of fun. It's fun. I'm going to pull up the route description. So what, what's the standard ridge to, to Eolus when you do the catwalk? Uh, so basically you just go, um, from the catwalk, you just basically, you go a little bit to the right of the ridge, uh, and you find this little, um, a couple of rocks that you can climb to get up on the ridge. And then you basically just stay almost ridge proper the, the whole way up. Yeah. I, I remember in the summer, I'd call it like you basically get out on the face on a series of ledges. Yeah. It's, it's I think it's similar to, similar to, to uh, pyramid, um, you know, using, using ledges and, and um, going through that. But I, I don't remember pyramids very well either. Cause that was it. It's like a more, it's a much more solid version of pyramid, I would say, but okay. it, it did remind me of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember there was some route finding to it, but uh, I say the only time I went up that way was three summers ago. It's, I'm trying to still trying to get my head around this. So the Northeast Ridge is this catwalk. And so you're doing the North. So you're, uh, you right go, there. you go, you go to the end of the catwalk. But then for the standard route, you go to the left, the, the east, and then you work up the series of ledges. So you can see that. You can see most of the route when, as you're hiking up from the base or from Twin yep. Lakes, right? You're staring at kind of the face. Yep. Okay. That's the normal summer route. Yeah. And then for the, um, for, the, for the winter, or I mean, you can do it in summer too, um, you basically just go straight up the ridge. So it's more, it's across the catwalk and go to the right. Yep. The ridge. Yep. Ah, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. If, if, if next time you do Eolus go that way, it's a lot more fun, I think. And you were in crampons at that point. Uh, I put, I don't think I put crampons on for going up. I think I put crampons on at summit for the trip down. Um, but I honestly don't remember. I, I know I left my snowshoes at the saddle. Um, but I don't remember if I put the crampons on for going up or, um, or for going down. I know I had them on going down, but I think I may have put them on at summit. An ice axe, of course, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then did you, could you glissade, glissade part of the, the I don't like, I don't like glissading much. I don't like the feeling of not being in control. <laughs> so I actually didn't glissade at all. Oh, really? Cause you think that uh, would've... it would have been, it would have been a good place, but, um, I'm not a huge fan of glissading. Um, I don't want to have to use my ice axe unless I'm just really in fear of something that I didn't plan. Um, I'm not a big fan of glissading. I don't like that out of control feeling. 
Huh. It's, that would be more efficient. It's funny. Like, I've done very little glissading. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only had one or two that were decent. Yeah. And it seems like there's a there's a lot of slopes I've tried to glissade and I couldn't. It's not even steep enough. Like, it's like, oh, I can't even glissade here. I'm like, you know, using my hands like a rudder, trying like trying to like myself going. I'm like, oh. And you you, you need know. you need the snow to be a good consistency too. Yeah, it can't be too but, soft. But it, it seems like if you get to the point that it's a pretty good glissade, you're yeah. only a couple degrees away from. <laughs> if I hit an icy patch, this is going to be ugly that, fast. Like the like the the. The safe margin for good glissading is not very wide in my opinion. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Most of my glissades have not been intentional. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the disclaimer is always, I always have the ice axe. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I I mean, it's hard to stop yourself when you're on a, when the glissade gets out of control because it's too icy. It's hard to stop yourself, you know? Well, that's even more impressive. You did all four of those same day. I thought you'd you know, say your way all the way back to Twin Lakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was really, I was really wanting to get them all done in that, that first day. Uh, it wasn't nearly as cold as I thought it was going to be up there. Uh, I carry a little temperature gauge with me. I, I never saw a temperature colder than 12 degrees the whole trip. And, uh, but um, if I hadn't got them all on Monday, there was a cold front coming in on Tuesday and the, uh, the predicted temperatures for Tuesday were like 10 degrees to 15 degrees lower than Monday. And I didn't want to have to go back up there, you know, with that, with cold your motivation. Yeah, it really was. It really was. Did you, uh, pause at twin lakes and debate whether you had it in you or no, you you knew it. You're going once I, once I was up, once I knew coming down from Eolus, um, it was like, you know, 9am it's like, man, I've got, I've got so much daylight. The only thing that would have stopped me was if it had taken me so long that I couldn't have gotten uh, sunlight and Wyndham in the daylight. But uh, I, when it was still early morning, I, I, I knew I was going to get them as long as I didn't die on the sunlight summit block. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of an interesting uh, thing in winter. Um, I think you even managed to, did you get a picture of yourself on it? I think. I did. I did. The timer. So was it one of those ones you can like remote trigger? Yeah. So I, I mean, when you do this stuff alone and you want, you want that summit selfie bragging, right? So I, I put my iPhone on a little tripod. Um, I'll usually like wrap it around a rock um, and you can actually trigger it remotely with, um, with an Apple watch. So I can frame the shot, climb up to wherever. So, I mean, if, if, even if it takes a couple of minutes, then you can just trigger the shutter with, um, with the watch. Pretty neat. Nice. Yeah. When I see people, when I see people posting pictures from like the seventies and eighties of climbing these mountains, that's, <laughs> what I, that's what I think about as a photographer. I'm thinking, man, I can't imagine the size of the camera they had to run <laughs> up that mountain to get that black and white Polaroid. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. So where do you see the sunrise then? On the catwalk or are you almost on the summit of North Aeolus? Um, the sun started coming up just as I got to the summit of Aeolus. Um, the sun hadn't quite broke horizon when I reached the summit. Um, 
So I, I mean, I was up on the summit probably 20, 30 minutes uh, getting pictures of the sunrise. It, it was the timing. The timing couldn't have been better. I mean, it was weird. It was cold and windy on North Eolus and it, it was still dark. All The only picture I took on North Eolus was the, the summit marker because um, it was dark out. But the timing on Eolus and then the wind kind of slowed down and really the rest of the day, it was almost perfect conditions. Uh, very little wind. Um, it was just, it was about as perfect a winter day as you get in January. So yeah, yeah see, you're on the old, so I already got four, two 14 ers in and you have all the days some, some sunlight left. Yeah. Go to sunlight. <laughs> it, it was crazy. Getting back to camp before dark was like a dream come true. I did not expect the day to go that quickly. Is there any avalanche risk on the, the standard routes or the winter routes on these? Yes. Yeah. In fact, um, in fact, so there were, there were several groups and, and people that went up, um, and got some or, or, um, attempted to get some of the, um, the, um, the peaks this winter. Um, in fact, a, a group of four went up, uh, the day after me. So I got back in on, so I got back to the car on Tuesday. Uh, another group went up on Wednesday and, um, there were, there was a little bit of snow and Wednesday apparently was really windy also. And, um, that next group, they actually triggered a small avalanche. One of the guys was, um, I think buried, he said he was buried to his knees. Didn't sound like anything serious or anything, but, um, they triggered, a they triggered an avalanche on that slope leading up to, um, Eolus. So they ended up going all the way in and unfortunately didn't get any peaks, which that'd be rough. Oh, so we're like, how far from Twin Lakes is that avalanche? Um, Down from the right side of the. It'd be the left side as you're as you're looking up. It it was somewhere on that slope, which which is not a and it's not even it's not even that terribly steep a slope. Um, You know, I'm not good at guessing the the angles, but I would guess probably, I don't know, maybe 30, maybe 35 degrees max. Uh, it was really, uh, it was really surprising given how stable things were when I was up there. And then, um, well, after that group went, uh, another guy went in after they retreated, uh, that following Saturday and he ended up getting all four of them and not having any issues. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. If you look at the January 28th report, that's the one. So, so then, yeah, I just threw it in the chat. So, so do you snowshoe back or was it, was it bulletproof enough to walk? On your original trail down Eulis. I kept my snowshoes on pretty much the whole day. Um, I used crampons down to the, um, down to the split. And then, uh, I think I put my snowshoes back on, uh, probably around the ramp and then back in snowshoes the rest of the day. The only place I needed snowshoes the rest of the day was just getting up the, uh, summit block to sunlight. My boots were wet and I just could not get traction on that, that steep rock to the right. As soon as I got on it, I just started sliding. So what's that? Did you get, you got to the summit block, right? You just didn't, you not just the geological marker. You went to the very past the leap of faith. Yep. Yep. Was the leap of faith any different than the winter, summer leap of faith? Not really. Not really. Um, I don't know. The, 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 the only thing that made me nervous about it was, you know, it's, it's hard to balance on crampons on, you know, oblong shaped rocks. Um, so I, I couldn't stand all the way. Well, I wasn't willing to try to stand all the way up. I sort of, crouches and... sort of did a little captain Morgan. <laughs> so, 
So as long as you're on the summit block, that's all that matters. There's no rule that says you have to stand full upright. <laughs> that's an interesting debate. Then you still had your crampons on when you had to jump down the leap of faith. Yeah, which Ooh, I, would, I would have different. wanted. I would have wanted anyway. Those are the those are the times. Those are the times that I really wish I was, you know, average height. <laughs> it would have been a little easier if I was, you know, not five foot seven. Well, because you know, you were solo too, so you got that same normal summit photo, but your camera was way down. Yeah, at the geo, like the geological marker. Yep. yep. Yeah, it looks like a great bluebird day. It was. It was almost perfect. It was almost perfect. Was there any part of you that considered going over and getting Jupiter? <laughs> You're making such good time. No, <laughs> it would have, it would have, it would have been in the dark. I mean, you've got a, well, I've, I've never done, I know there's a way to get Jupiter, um, uh, from, uh, from Wyndham. Uh, yeah, I've, I've never, yeah, I've never gone that way. Um, it looks pretty doable, but I'm, I don't like doing unfamiliar routes in winter. I don't like doing anything in winter that I haven't done in summer, just so I know the way. Um, but uh, yeah, that that would have been nice, but uh, <laughs> I didn't. Not in the plans. Tornado man wants to. He wants to day trip Jupiter this summer. I think that's. I think that's doable. I think that's <sighs> doable. It, I mean, I mean, lots of people have day tripped all four Chicago Basin fourteeners. That, that's what I figure. And all those people are stronger and faster than I am. But I, I figure if the day is long enough and it's just Jupiter versus <laughs> all those, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't sound that awful to me. It's, it, I, I think going uphill at the end of the day yeah. or oh, in the night, that's purgatory the, is not going to be fun. But just uh, go in purgatory out to Columbine, uh, out to Valcido. <laughs> that actually well, that was. That, that would be, be tempting, a bad idea. except for your, uh, if I had a ride, except yeah, for you were talking about creek crossing. So if I'm going to get my feet really wet in the middle of the, you know, the end of a long day, I might not enjoy that. Yeah. I guess bringing extra socks will be key for this idea too. <laughs> this idea. <laughs> that long a day, you're probably going to want to switch your socks at some point. Yeah. Yeah. One of these days, uh, one of these days I'd like to try to, to day trip. I don't know, maybe doing all four, maybe doing Jupiter just to, just to see that I can, I, I probably could, um, it'd be, it'd be neat to see what my time looked like for that. I, I know that you could, I mean, you've done some peaks as day trips, you know, what's like your longest day trip in the winter. Did you do Holy Cross as a day trip? Yeah. Holy Cross was oh. not, Holy Cross was my longest winter day trip until the last day of winter this year on South Maroon. Um, Holy Cross was 19, just over 19 hours. I think it was like 1912. Is that over half moon and then up the standard or did you do like the couloir? I didn't do the couloir. Um, so you, you go up over half moon pass, but then you actually, uh, you, um, you go around. So that, that steep area where you descend into cross Creek, you can't follow the standard route because it's too steep and there's, there's lots of avalanche danger there. So where the, where the route cuts left to descend into cross Creek, you actually cut right. And then you descend a more gentle slope. Um, so it probably adds, I don't know, a half mile or a mile. I showed, I showed 
right at 32 miles round trip. Um, because you've got, even, cause you got the eight mile road walk. Correct. You know, Cause you're, you're basically parking in Minturn. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> you're parking right off the highway. Yeah. The gate is like right off the highway. Um, but that, that trip on, on Holy cross, the snow was so flipping deep. I mean, I'm surprised more. I'm surprised we didn't see some people trying to get Holy Cross this winter because the snow was so much more consolidated. Uh, seemed like it would have been a good winter for it because that snow in Holy Cross, especially down by Cross Creek and all the way up past Treeline, it was so deep, and uh, that was probably the the hardest trail breaking uh, I've ever done. That was tough. I, I can understand if you like carried skis on your back and like skied the last eight miles down Tiguan Road. Oh, that's brutal. Just, you know, I've, I've never, I've never, I haven't skied in like 15 years and I've never done backcountry skiing. I've just done like ski resort skiing, you know, in, in my younger days. So, um, Man. Uh, and I've seen I people do that like in three days, do the eight miles up Tiguan road with a, like a polk and pulling their sled and then do the next day, just go over half moon camp again and then do. Yeah. I don't know. I just have no desire to carry that much gear you know, unless I absolutely have to, like, like for Chicago Basin, um, I would rather just, you know, burn it up for a long, long day and not have to take, you know, an extra 20 pounds worth of camping stuff and not sleep and have to melt snow. And <laughs> I'm just kind of lazy like that. <laughs> What's your calorie burn? Do you, any, do you track your calories at all or no? Yeah, it's probably not. So I think Holy Cross, Holy Cross, I think my calorie burn was a little over 4,000. Um, but it, it doesn't feel accurate. Um, on, you know, I, I had several 16, 18, 20 hour days this winter. Uh, usually it'll show, you know, between 3,000 and 3,500 calories. Um, I don't think it's accurate. I think it under underestimates a little bit. That, that sounds really low to me yeah i mean any sort of moderate exercise should be i don't know four or five hundred an hour going uphill yeah so and also snow is harder and it doesn't know that your app um but yeah i mean there's no way it's like three thousand it's gonna be way more I, i would think so too i mean it's it's going off your heart rate and, you know, I'll average, I'll average 145, 150 heart rate for, you know, 12, 15 hours. Be. And you would think it would be more than that, but yeah, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Neither am I, but it, it, it just sounds wrong to me. It does sound low. The app I have, which is some like cheap, cheap, nothing thing. Is, I mean, it's free, kind of a junk app, but it would give me a lot more than that. I, I know it'd be way higher. Yeah. And seems reasonable to me. I don't know. I run a few miles and it's 500. It's like, okay. That, yeah. I, so I got the, I got the whoop uh-huh. preparing for the Colorado trail. And so a normal day I burn like 2,100. And if I work out and play softball, I'd close to 2,500. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to think if I'm hiking 15 miles a day, then on the Colorado trail, I'm going to be wearing like 3,500 or something. thinking. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. But I'm surprised you're not closer to 4,500 in snowshoes, and that's so much more effort. Yeah. yeah. Do you does your like legs like in what's that like hip flexors and groin get sore? Because I kind of have to walk more like. I know <laughs> yeah. you're just doing like three miles for me in snowshoes. I feel like my groin muscles are like ruined. No, not really, not really. I'm I'm dealing with some plantar fasciitis that I've that I've had for about a year now. 
so I get some heel pain from that, but, uh, no, my legs are, my legs are pretty good for as old as I am. <laughs> this discussion, Mr. Karen, we're way off trail. We're on the wrong path. The talk is starting to derail. The convo is now in the wrong basin. And we're totally off route. So let's get it back to the mountain that this podcast is all about. So I guess I finished, finished Chicago Basin, I guess, our loop. So you did sunlight. Yep. Down the same south slopes, right? Across, across to Wyndham. Yeah, basically from, from top of sunlight over to Wyndham, basically just followed the summer route. Um, just went straight across, straight up, uh, left my snowshoes at the bottom of Wyndham. And then uh, getting up Wyndham, Wyndham was mostly dry. There were a couple of uh, snowy sections, but for the most part, Wyndham was pretty dry. Uh, I don't think I even put crampons on for Wyndham. Um, but I might have, I don't remember. Um, but no, Wyndham was pretty, uh, Wyndham was pretty easy. Wasn't, wasn't any harder than, than summer. I wouldn't say. What looks better in snow, Rio Grande pyramid or jagged or Vestal? Uh, I thought <laughs> Vestal looks pretty good in snow. Um, towards the end of winter, I did, uh, I did, uh, handies. And when I zoomed in on Vestal, I couldn't believe how much snow, how high up the snow went on Wham Ridge. Um, it looked really cool from that side. Okay. So what time did you get back to camp then? Uh, a little before dark. It was, uh, I want to say, I want to say four o'clock, maybe four 30. So, uh, yeah, I got back to camp. Um, same thing. It's, you know, still daylight, but I just changed my socks, got my sleeping bag and basically <laughs> basically laid there for the, that second night. I didn't even sleep. I didn't even get a minute's sleep. I don't know what it was. I had no reason to be anxious. I'd gotten the four peaks. Um, but, uh, I just laid there and, you know, off and on, I would, you know, listen to music just to pass the time. Um, I didn't want to pack up and go because I knew my legs needed the rest, uh, and my shoulders needed the wet, the rest. Um, the biggest thing that I struggle with after a big, long trip like that is the shoulder pain from all the weight. My legs can go for days and days. My shoulders don't like that. Um, so, um, yeah, I just laid there and laid there. And then about three o'clock, I just said, all right, I've had enough leg rest, packed it all up. And I was on the trail about three forty. That's, that's kind of what I feel with backpacking is the heavy pack. I am so slow with, my shoulders, my back, they, they don't like it at all. But my legs, although they don't, they don't move with the speed that yours do. I, I rarely get to the point that I'm like, wow, my legs can't do anything. I'm like, I can go a lot of miles. It's just going to be at a really slow pace. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the idea of day tripping Jupiter is like, let's, let's go and see what I can do in a day, you know? Take a lighter pack so you're not hurting your shoulders. And if you do it yeah. in the summertime, take a couple of filter bottles. Exactly. Just fill it yeah, up. It's going to bring a filter and not carry much water and just filter yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It sounds fun. Yeah. It'd be a neat, it'd be a neat test of test of body. Yeah. So have you done, have you completed the 14ers in winter or are you a couple shy? I got two left, uh, North Maroon and Capital. Oh, have you sold all of them? So the only two that I didn't, uh, that I wasn't alone on are Huron and Sherman. <laughs> in the summer or winter, your winter? 
in winter in winter yeah um pretty much all all the other the i've almost all my 14ers have been uh, all my mountains for that matter have been solo uh but winter huron and winter sherman um i had friends had a friend with me that's incredible and so you're i mean you have how long you been in colorado I've I've lived here for 20 years, but I just started I just started doing this mountain stuff in uh, 2018. Oh, wow. This was this was my fourth this was my fourth winter doing this. That's where are you from? Are you have southern accent. Uh, you know I've lived in Colorado longer than I've lived anywhere else. But when I growing up, um, I lived all over the place: um, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arizona. I moved to Colorado on my 21st birthday huh. um, and I'm 45 now. And when did you do your first 14 Uh Technically I did, I did Pike's peak several times in my twenties and thirties. Um, I didn't do my second 14 until four years ago. <laughs> and then so, you did 56 in winter already. Yeah, I got really lucky this year. I got really the, the conditions. When I when I started this winter, I thought when I started this winter, I had 14 peaks left. Uh 14 for the the winter 14er list. And last year, you know, the past 2 years, some of those peaks weren't even possible because of the avalanche conditions. I mean, nobody got Chicago Basin last year. Nobody got some of these other peaks. They just they just weren't possible because of the the snow conditions and and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, when I, this year I wanted to get seven of the 14 and I ended up getting all but two got really lucky with conditions, really lucky. Cause I was looking at, you did El Diente, your recent trip report was El Diente, right? Uh, I did El Diente. I've got a trip report for South Maroon that I put up, uh, last week too. Oh man. What's the biggest, what's the biggest accomplishment? Like, what day were you uh, of? I don't know. It, it, it'd be a tough, it'd be a tough toss up between South Maroon and the Chicago basin. Um, Chicago basin is tough because you need good conditions and you have to, well, you, you almost have to camp for it. One guy got it this winter without camping, um, got all four, but, um, that was tough. And that was a big, uh, that was a big deal. South Maroon, you need really good conditions. Um, I got lucky getting it on the last day of winter. Um, I wasn't even sure that the snow would be good enough in the, uh, in the bell cord. Coulard, did the bell cord. Yes. That's the, yeah, I did the, did the bell cord. And, um, I, when I, when I set out for South Maroon, I, I told my couple of friends that I was probably going to end up turning around when I got to the bell cord, because, um, avalanche conditions were yellow, but there were, there were some, there was some concern of, um, a weak snow, uh, a weak slab layer. I'm not an avalanche expert. I won't pretend to be, I've not, I've not done any other courses or anything. I just kind of go with my gut. If the snow feels stable, you know, I'm, I'm willing to take a chance and it worked out going up the, going up the cord. The, the snow was pretty good. What's the most dangerous section of the winter 14ers? The bell cord. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, that's probably the most dangerous thing, uh, just because it's out of your control. Um, you know, if if something was going to happen to me on the in the bell cord coulard, you know, with less than perfect snow conditions, but they felt fine to me. Um, 
it was out of my, it was out of my hands. You know, when you do this stuff, you, you've, you've got to be willing to accept a certain level of risk. That's at least part of the reason I do this stuff alone is, you know, I'm, I'm willing to risk things for myself more so than I'm willing to risk, you know, having somebody with me. I guess what, what would you, would you do anything different for the Chicago basin in winter? You know, um, the week after I went in, um, the week after I went, there was another guy, his name, uh, his name's Preston Dennis, and he has, he refuses to camp. He hates camping so much that he has day tripped all the 14ers, all the centennials, all the bicentennials. And the week after I went, uh, I've never met him in person, but we've talked a little bit off and on. Uh, he's, he's like me that he's solo everything. He does everything by himself. Um, the week after I went, he went and day tripped it, uh, from purgatory and it took him, uh, it took him 34 hours. He said that he said he got the, he looked at my times. I always post my times, um, from my workouts. Uh, my total hiking time for Chicago basin was between 29 and 30 hours. He looked at my times and knew that there was still a trench there and thought that he could day trip them all. And he did, he got them all done in like 34 hours. I mean, I, I don't know if that's technically a day trip because, you know, it's yes. actually a day and a half, but it was done in a single push, um, all by himself. And that just, that impresses the living crap out of me. Um, I told him that if he had done that before I went, I might've tried to do the same. Um, you know, I could have saved 20 pounds. That's true. Yes. Uh, without all, without all the camping gear and knowing that there was running water in a couple of places to where, you know, you could fill up and not have to, not have to melt snow. Um, I say if he had done that before me, I might've tried to do the same because our, our, our stats and our times for some of the other tough winter peaks are, are pretty similar. So what's, what's the advice for you do differently? Wait till someone else trenches. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Or like I say, I, I might've tried to do it in a, in a single push, yeah. uh, which to be honest would have been crazy. And I, I have no regrets. The, the nice thing about doing it the way I did it was, um, you know, managing the time a little bit differently to where I could be on all four summits or almost all four summits in daylight uh, getting to see that sunrise over Eolus was, was awesome. Yeah. Uh, that was something I'll, I'll never forget and, uh, couldn't have timed better. Um, but, uh, no, I think that's, I think that's about it. Uh, take a lot less food. Um, I say when I, when I had headed down, I didn't know if this was going to be, I really thought it was going to be between four and six days. Um, I took enough food to last me six days. And um, I, I never thought in a million years I'd get it done in three. 